Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mental Health Much, the podcast that talk about everything queer and mental health. My name is Vincent, and today is the last episode of season two. I know, I know, it's really sad, but there are a lot more projects coming up, and there will be a season three as well. Today, I'm meeting with Brendan. Hi, Brendan. Hi. <laughs> I am super happy to have you. Thank you. Today, we will talk about... I haven't really found a succinct way to <laughs> say it yet, but we'll talk about um, why should I go to therapy when, in good English language, it's the world that's shit. The world is on fire. And, like, why should I go to therapy for that? Which I think is, like, such a perfect <laughs> topic. First, because the world is on fire right yes. now, and it has been for a long time. And also because I'm a therapist through all of that, <laughs> I think it's relevant to talk about this. Absolutely. <laughs> Brendan, some people might know you in the Toronto. You're a um, public figure in our beautiful village. <laughs> Most importantly, because you are the host of the Tuesday game night at the Black Eagle yes. in Toronto. Tell <laughs> us more about that. Um, sure, yeah. Well, I started uh, the game night back in 2016 with just... Uh, couple PlayStation systems and uh, Street Fighter V, and uh, it turned into quite a bit more of an event than it is. So yeah, every Tuesday we set up various consoles on big screens throughout the Black Eagle Toronto, and uh, yeah, last night was quite a bit of fun. We played rock band with, uh, you know, the drums and guitars and singing and stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's just um, a fun event I wanted to do when uh, years ago I saw them installing all these big screens and projectors in the bar. I said, hey, <laughs> what are you planning on doing with those? <laughs> can, I, can I use that shit? So I, uh, yeah, I brought in all my stuff and um, it's uh, just grown since then. And I think it's been really good for gamers, um, especially because um, we're isolated a lot. We stay inside a lot. So I think I kind of got, I, well, I hope that I got people out to, you know, socializing and meeting new people. That was sort of my intention with it. Yeah, it's pretty great, right? Because that way you can go out, but also you don't have to like exhaust your social skills. Exactly. You can play a game. Yeah. It's entertainment, free entertainment. And um, <laughs> it's just um, a different crowd from what, uh, you know, the Black Eagle usually would get. And there are a lot of gay gamers out there. Yeah. Yeah, it just made sense for me. For all the gay geeks... Uh, who listen to this, which I assume the bulk of my audience are <laughs> gay kids and gay gamers. If you're in Toronto on Tuesday night at the Eagle and uh, Brendan, you're like nice, easy, approachable. Um, on top of that, you are like a gamer and um, you are on Twitch and on YouTube. Yeah, so the um, so the event uh, at the Eagle, the game night, uh, is called Gay Station. Uh, so I took um, that as my streamer uh, name as well. So it's uh, Gay Station. Um, <laughs> I started that with the lockdown uh, two years ago and got this fancy computer and mic. So I secretly call you Gay Station in my head all the time. <laughs> yeah, no, I, lo I love that. I love that. Like, yes, I am Gay Station. <laughs> and you get it right, because a lot of people say, how's game station and i'm like no gay <laughs> not game <laughs> um but apart from being a gamer and you know working at the black eagle 
who are you? Who? Oh God, that's a tough one. I uh, <laughs> <laughs> the worst question first. Still figuring it out. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Real quick. Like I just I grew up um, in Ottawa. Um. Started in uh, Catholic schools, and then I went to arts school for high school for like drawing and paintings. Went to college for uh, science uh, in Peterborough, Ontario. Uh, so I took biology and geography, and um, just didn't really have much of a success uh, trying to find jobs related to that in Ottawa afterwards, because I didn't really want to do a master's um, after, uh, you know, four years of university. I was kind of <laughs> sick of assignments and things. So I um, ended up working for Rogers Call Center for a few years. And um, while I was doing that, I um, competed in Ottawa and won uh, Mr. Leather Ottawa. Okay, so you were Mr. Leather Ottawa. I was a title holder at yeah, 2009. And uh, and I was almost IML, International Mr. Leather. I was runner-up. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. Uh, Mr. Texas uh, won that year. <laughs> Do we hate him? No, no, he's uh, Jeffrey Payne. He's fantastic and absolutely deserved it. Um, I mean, you know, I wanted it, but like he, no, he definitely earned it for sure. And you know, it was an honor to be like to be in the top three. It was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so another celebrity on mental health much? Oh, stop, stop! <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah, that was like 2009-10. I did that. Um, I moved to California briefly with a partner and was looking for work there. And um, yeah, I ended up coming back to Toronto, I want to say 2011. And um, I uh, was working for Steamworks for a little bit, uh, just at the front counter, and then got the Black Eagle job. As for who I am, you know, just someone, yeah, who's been into like leather and kink a little bit and that sort of slowed down for me though in the past 10 years you know i, I don't know growing up <laughs> libido dying i don't know no you know what i mean though in my 20s i was a lot more like exploratory and curious and now i'm just like i don't know i feel like i've become like oh, i've seen everything <laughs> you know even though that's totally false i haven't seen everything but you know as we get older we end more cynical. Well, I do. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not old, it's blase. <laughs> and um, Brendan, I asked this question to everyone. You're the last person that's going to answer it for season two. I'll have to find another question for season three. Okay. What do you think is the biggest taboo around mental health? Um, I don't know if it's the biggest, but um, just something that, that I see and is relevant to me is maybe... How do we distinguish the difference between just bad behavior and mental health problems um, and like crimes and mental health problems? Mm -hmm. You know, where do you draw the line? Like, when is crime crime? When is crime mental health? Like, what is the difference there? And um, I, I think it's just a difficult topic. And if we take it to like the more extreme, like in something like, say, like a murder case or something like like if somebody pleads insanity versus somebody who did something preconceived as a murder, my mind immediately thinks, but isn't preconceiving something like that also severely mentally ill thing to mm -hmm. do? What is the difference? Is that, that's what I have a hard time with. That's really interesting in, in looking also at the media and how, you know, <laughs> we're close to the U.S., unfortunately, but all those like shootings are happening yeah. and, and uh, they're just like, oh, it's, it's one loner. It's one like mental health person. 
like, is it a systemic issue or is this like a personal issue? And why is it that our system is failing people slash men? Exactly. On a lower scale than murder, but still pretty bad. Uh, I worked a long time at a women's college hospital in their trauma therapy program. And often people who had parents that were abuser, it was really interesting because they were able to like find empathy at some point. They were like, I yeah. understand that my dad or my mom is the way that she is or he is because he's going through like this, this is, and that, that doesn't make the things that he or she did to me better. And more importantly, I think people were having a harder time where like, and although my dad knows these things, he's never made any effort to become better. That's like a whole other level. Yeah. And and I've been very fortunate on that with my father, you know, absolutely like getting better. Mm-hmm. But some fathers, yeah, just are never going <laughs> to change and yeah. try to do better. You know? <laughs> and it's like this intergenerational trauma where like we can look at their like grandfather and their father before. Yeah. And then this sort of still connects to the taboo, but just um, we have some very you know, unhinged people in power, mm. like these people like control, you know, a lot of our lives and, you know, legislation and, and things where it's, uh, it's kind of crazy that uh, that can take power. Yeah. It takes a certain personality to be craving power. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not everyone who goes in politics or who is rich and wealthy is like this, but it does Just most. Uh, attract. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so today we're talking about why going to therapy when it's the world stressors that are making life difficult. Like we were just talking about politics. Good segue. <laughs> right? Right now it's a summer of uh, 2022 and just like it's been bad. There's a recession. It's almost impossible to go grocery shopping anymore. Like prices have double mm-hmm. and uh, the price of gas is everywhere. There's been two years of a pandemic and now there's another pandemic in the gay world with the monkeypox and nobody is doing anything about it and so on and so forth. Like our politics, like indigenous women are still missing after years of us crying out and, uh, you know, pipelines are still destroying our beautiful country. Oh, yeah. I could go on. I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the world is full of those stressors. And I know that when we had our intake, we were not sure what to talk about. And then this came up. But why was it important for you to talk about therapy versus world stressors? Um, for me, um, I, I think the, the, the 2016 Donald Trump um, election, <laughs> that, that yeah. was where it just it broke me. You know, the media broke me. Um, that result broke me. And I just um, continued to pay attention then and where I was like watching news bits um, on YouTube, like almost every day and, um, you know, becoming like a bit of an obsession um, with all the bad things that were going on. And um, I lost friends um, over it. Mm-hmm. Glad to have, cause I realized that they weren't my friends. Yeah. Um, I have so many questions, but let's take the break. They're, they're big, they're big topics. Exactly. <laughs> let's take the break. And uh, come back and we'll discuss therapy versus (laughs) the world. (laughs) Welcome back. We are talking about why going to therapy when we feel bad because of systemic world stressors. Wasn't that beautifully said? Oh, so succinct. (laughs) 
Um, so obviously my job here as a psychotherapist in my podcast is really not to convince you to go to therapy, but you have never been to therapy. And I really am excited that we're able to actually get together and meet in the middle and have this conversation because a lot, if not most of my guests have been to some form of therapy and it's going to be really meta to talk about your reasons not to go and uh, your understanding of therapy. So let's start with this. You've never been to therapy, besides maybe costing a lot of money. Can you tell me maybe some of the things that made you decide not to go? I think for me, I just assumed that it would be like a big vent session for me to get everything out. Um, which is sometimes what I actually need to, you know, but f yeah, for me personally, I haven't seen it as something that could potentially benefit me, mm -hmm. but I don't know that because, you know, I haven't <laughs> necessarily experienced it. So, yeah. um, you know, it, my experience is based off of like TV shows, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> so that's super interesting. I'm assuming that some people are listening to this and they've never been in therapy and they think maybe a little bit like you, like, oh, I'm just going to go and I'm going to vent. I'm going to talk. Is it that you don't think that it would bring anything more to your life? Or is it that it never felt like you were, quote unquote, bad enough, that you had it bad enough that you sort of like deserved therapy? Or is it something else completely? Um, a bit of both. I mean, it's I, 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 I don't think it's my pride or anything like that. But yeah, I just haven't. I've just seen it as something that would take my free time and something I have to go do, you know what I mean? Because, um, you know, I don't go anywhere or do anything. So, <laughs> so like, cost-benefit for you was not worth it? Yeah. I guess, yeah, yeah. It was just like, is this going to be worth my time? I think was sort of where my head was in. Okay. So maybe, like, I'm, I don't feel bad enough, and then it's just going to be, like, a lot of my time and my money, and, like, I'm not sure I'm going to get anything out of it. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, I've definitely had people ask me before, like, have you thought of talking to anyone about things? And I said, well, no, like, I don't, I don't think I need to do that. I'm talking to you about it right now. <laughs> so you've been talking to your friends about your stressors, and that has sort of like kept you afloat. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. I Obviously, all clients and all people who attend therapy are different, but often for the first at least like handful of sessions, it is mostly that like people are just, I have all of this stuff in my brain and I just like, you know, vomit it like all over the space. Yeah. And I think also um, whenever it was like suggested to me to um, speak to a mental health expert to express any kind of mental health issue to a doctor, it was, it usually was just me like venting about like, something to you know family or a friend and them saying like have you spoken to a professional about this where it's like well again no i'm telling you that like you know because of the state of the economy like i have no future <laughs> you know that's <laughs> yeah. just kind of a fact for a lot of a lot of people in my boat like we're gonna you know we're all gonna work till we're 100 because there's not gonna be pensions <laughs> or whatever you know like that kind of stuff is on my mind mm -hmm. a lot and i think that that's a valid concern but i guess some people just want me to yeah. ignore it but i can't <laughs> i mean it's very legit right and sometimes even for myself as a therapist when my clients are like 
yeah, I feel really depressed right now because I can barely afford food. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's tough. Yeah. Like I don't have a solution for that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's also like, I think we were talking a little bit about how like physicality affects your mentality for sure. So when you don't have enough food, like your brain's going to suffer from that as well. Right. So it's all kind of connected. Uh, for me, I found it better. Like I'm definitely happier when I'm exercising and being well and more, more active. It's not just, um, for physical health, but I do, yeah, I do feel like my mood and everything just improves. Mm -hmm. Um, so going on a tangent a little bit, but you've never been to therapy. You kind of don't know a lot about therapy. You say, I just know what's in movies and TV shows. And trust me, it's bad in movies and TV shows. I would imagine. Yeah. <laughs> so let's pretend that you were having access to a therapist. Let's say me right now. And you had any questions about therapy and the process of it or what to do. Would you have any questions to ask? I'm really curious to know. I think maybe just what's kind of the goal of it and what kind of state do I want to get to where I'd say, okay, I can stop or what, you know, how much do you do therapy and what's the end goal, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think for most people, the end goal is to like feel better. Feel better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think people enter therapy for various reasons. Most people, I would say, enter therapy because of a stressor, like a breakup. Yeah. So a lot of the time it is like people are not going so well and then they lose a friend, they lose a parent, they lose their boyfriend, they lose their job or they have a new boss that they can tolerate. And they're like, oh, this is like the straw that breaks the camel back, which is yeah. the worst expression that has never existed. Uh, <laughs> and so they come for that. So like at the beginning of therapy, we mostly work on that huge stressor right? until it feels better. And then some people feel better after like, I don't want to say a number, but like eight to 15 sessions. And then some people stop because like that part of their life is more stable. Or some people are like, it's actually really nice to have a time in my life. Every normally at this point, people come like every other week or once a month and to like slow down and like just explore and take like a full hour just for me with a person that I fully trust in a space that is completely safe. Yes. I, I, I feel like it could be potentially as good as something like say meditation, you know, just some time to like stop um, and think. Mm -hmm. I think it's definitely like a healthy thing and I could, I could see why it would be really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not something I've ever done. <laughs> it's funny. Cause I mean, my three siblings, I'm pretty sure all, three of them have seen therapists before and um, I forget what I was venting about as, as I do, but to my mom where, she, yeah, she said like, you know, have you spoken to, spoken to anyone like, you know, your sister has, like you could do that too. And I just, I was like, no, I, I'm fine. I, don't have, I don't have time. I don't have time. <laughs> yeah. I say this all the time too. I've said it probably like five times already on this podcast, but like therapy will never bring you what you think it's going to bring you like yeah. change. And support doesn't take the form that people expect when they first start. Yeah. And it comes from yourself and you have to really want it and commit to it, right? And mm -hmm. want to do it. So. Yeah. I mean, I've worked with people who like lied to me for a full year before they were ready to like go in deeper oh, wow. issues. Yeah. Right. And I, I'm, <laughs> um, I'm like, well, people need to feel ready and they need to trust me. Yeah. Sometimes it's not like, full-on lie like sometimes i know lying by omission yeah exactly dancing around the subject yeah yeah like it feels like we need to talk about like 
shame or or guilt or something and it's in the back of my brain and I push it a little bit but like people don't go there at all and then eventually they're ready and then they can go there so it's not like full on inventing a life <laughs> and lying to me but not that that has never happened that has happened for sure right <laughs> so okay we we sort of know that you choose not to go to therapy and we've talked about that is there something about like trusting professionals or trusting authority that also kept you from therapy? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, specifically, I uh, can remember a doctor when I was, I want to say 17, you know, going through the usual questions and stuff. And then he was like, well, have you had any sexual contact? And I'm like, yeah. And then he's like, well, was it with a man or a woman? And I'm like, um, that's not really relevant to the situation but it was a guy and then asking invasive questions about him and stuff that had nothing to do with the health problem and i wrapped up that visit uh pretty quick and mm -hmm. um my, my mom was out in the waiting room and i'm like mom we're not coming back here again but uh, so i didn't i didn't have to deal with that individual again uh, it sucked though because it was someone like our family doctor who was like a sweetheart had like recommended us to this specialist who ended up being terrible but not not like he would have known that though mm -hmm. on a wider scale of things i just see a lot of doctors as like pharmaceutical reps who want to put you on pills you know make money for the pharmaceutical companies and will just quickly prescribe something that maybe is not necessarily what you need so i don't have a lot of trust uh, for, but it's more like the pharmaceutical industry, especially is, is where. Right. So we're back to like the world is shit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But it's all connected, right? It's all connected. Yeah. 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 So. <laughs> it's interesting that I think people and doctors, they want like easy solutions often to complicated problems. Yeah. And that shows often in the therapy room where people are like, okay, but then what do I do? And I'm like, it's like, it's not like, I promise you, if I had a solution, that's like, these are the steps that you follow to fix your problems. I would not like hide this information from you. Uh, it's complicated often, especially when we go back to the topic of today, when like, there are so many world stressors, like, capitalism we can never escape it yeah yeah well, not not in the current state of things that's for sure <laughs> and like how do i trust like i've worked a lot in the hiv sector where people are like i'm really grateful for the pharmaceutical companies that keep me alive but also i'm really pissed at them <laughs> like yeah well and it's like hmm you know they're keeping you alive yeah on a pill that you have to have forever as opposed to finding something you can take once right again it all comes down to money yeah and in a way i want to trust because i've worked in the sector for so long that i want to trust researchers and doctors that are actually like good decent people who've dedicated their life eradicating this disease mm -hmm. but in, in my head i'm like no the pharmaceutical company who would find a vaccine preventing hiv would make so much money as well yeah and like health shouldn't be for profit you know yeah <laughs> yeah but that it's not quite as extreme here in canada for sure i mean we do have some coverage but it's not it's like free healthcare not quite in canada you know yeah i mean my services are most certainly not free 
yeah, like I pay for my medication, you know, it's, it's not like free. It's, but you can go to the doctor for a free checkup, you know, Mm -hmm. or you can have an accident and break your leg and not, and not have to pay like $5,000 or whatever. Well, no, I think they pay more than that in the U S for an ambulance. I don't know. So there's kind of this trust issue, not only with professionals that you're saying, because I think you're saying, no, I could probably see a therapist or a doctor and trust them. But then you have this trust industry, like the industry and the larger system. And then why would I go invest my time and energy when the system is always going to bring me down? Absolutely. (laughs) Like, how are you dealing with that right now? Um. I'm, uh, by, well, by not dealing with <laughs> So not so well. <laughs> no, yeah, and I, yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen my general practitioner in, I've gone on like four years probably, but uh, I still, uh, you know, I still have gone in for blood work and seen the nurse and stuff um, over time. But uh, yeah, I just definitely have someone who's stayed away from uh, doctors in general. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess I've just been lucky too, where I have I haven't had physical health problems really much, other than little things like I said, like my eyes, where I go into a walk-in clinic and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I've just managed to you know stay as healthy as I can. Um, I don't know if you or anyone would relate to this, but throughout COVID and when lockdown started, and that, like that first year, if there was any kind of minor thing that I was having, I just thought like. I'd feel so bad going to a doctor and taking their time mm-hmm. during COVID. So if there was any kind of minor thing that I felt uh, during, you know, the first year and a half, I guess, of, of lockdown, I just was like, the doctors are too busy, so I shouldn't go because they have a lot on their plate right now, you know? So I think just kind of sucking it up was a thing, but not, I, I didn't have any like severe health problems though, but um, you know, when things were starting to open up again and we thought, you know, maybe we can, you know, be sexual again. I was like, Oh, I should go back on my prep and I want to get it. But then I just didn't, I just didn't have sex and didn't go get prep because I was like, eh. especially during COVID, like, you know, they'd be like, Oh, you're going to, have sex during COVID, I thought, you know, I'd have that judgment too. And um, again, would be taking their time um, to go in, get blood work and get the pills when there were bigger issues going on for the whole world. So Mm -hmm. it's funny because you use the expression, like I was sucking it up until like, until it was either like really bad or just like, it never got really bad. I was always able to like do it by myself and cope by myself and, uh, it sounds like you're doing the same thing with mental health. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. It's um, for all the things in my life. Yeah. um, That might be contributing to that. Like, well, we we talked about burnout before, but Mm -hmm. I know you did a whole episode on that. So we won't, (laughs) we won't talk too much about burnout, but that's a big thing that I think contribute like burnout is what's happening with me as things get busier and busier for me. Yeah. I am just kind of like, well, gotta suck it up and, you know, um, think about the money or whatever, which is not even something that motivating to me anymore. Mm-hmm. I value my time, um, a lot more, I would say than, than money. And, um, I'm definitely sucking it up right now for sure. Yeah. Yeah. With work and just, um, events and things on my plate. It's, it's a lot. 
That's a lot. And, um, you know, I find my bits of free time and enjoyment and, um, that helps. Um, but at this point I, I, I feel like I socially don't have a lot of time. Like I don't go out and do a lot of things because when you work in the bar industry too, and, and go out in the village, it's just every kind of social gathering, um, will involve drinking. Mm-hmm. I've never really had an alcohol problem or anything. It's not that, but it's just, if I am out in social, I will drink. And then the next day is a complete write-off because hangovers hit me hard and I can't do anything. So yeah, it's tough with burnout because in a world where like, maybe I'm just burned out at work, but at least I can come home and have some sort of safe space at home. But now home and even social media is like just full of like negative news all the time. And then then I'm going to cope with going out with my friends and then drinking and alcohol can feel nice maybe on the spot, but the next day it's a depressor. So like my mood is lower. I don't have a safe space anymore. Going out with my friend cost three times that it used to cost when I was in my twenties. So I cannot have access to it as easily. So it's, it's just feels like life is attacking us on all side. Oh yeah, definitely. Like there's not a lot of ways to cope anymore. Exactly. And um, when, when we had our full lockdowns happening, um, I jumped into the Twitch streaming and YouTubing and, you know, had this vision of it becoming like a full-time job kind of thing, which is unrealistic, but it does happen for a few people out there who can make it big. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I went full ham on that where I was doing it 30 hours a week, maybe Monday to Friday for about six hour streams a day and having to go back to work and then find a way to balance that was one of the toughest things. And, um, I'm a Virgo. So we have that bit of, you know, perfectionism. <laughs> I have what the Twitch stream and then my job. And, um, then I was doing a little bit of only fans, um, here and there and having these three things on my plate at a time, you know, over the past year or so, I've been thinking about like, I can't be good at all three of those things because it's too much spread out. So mm-hmm. trying to do all the things that you want to do with the limited time that you have and have them be good, you know, it's difficult and you have to sort of make a sacrifice, I guess, and cut one thing out. So, so the only fans that shut down for a little bit until I <laughs> figure, out, figure out a way to balance that into my life again. But yeah, it's just, it, it, it's tough when you want to do so many things um, in your life, but you really have to kind of select where you're going to dedicate your time and what's, so. yeah. Cause otherwise everything will just be mediocre. Right? So. <laughs> yeah. And it's tough when everything that you do, you have to monetize. Even if you say you love being on Twitch, it's not the same. It's not a hobby. Like we have this thing, especially our generation of like, oh, if I love doing something that's artsy, I should like transform it into uh, money. And I don't know for you, but for me, normally it removes so much of the fun out of it. Definitely. When I was early uh, with Twitch, um, I, I did get, you know, a few people approaching me with these, um, I don't even want to call it sponsorships. It more just felt like predatory, like practices to put on my viewers. <laughs> but yeah, I think as soon as, um, you get a sponsor, um, what was in the back of my mind was, Oh, am I going to have to put my shirt on because I don't fit with this sponsor's image or, or am I, and I'm going to have to not say the controversial things that I sometimes say, um, you know, but yeah, you didn't want to compromise your integrity and your pleasure for money. 
Exactly. I didn't want to become a different person um, to make money out of it. Yeah, so we're kind of circled back to uh, capitalism and productivity and being a successful part of the machine. Part of the machine. I love that. <laughs> so we've gone full circle. Why don't we take the second break and come back for some tips and solutions on how do we deal with the world and with uh, with the stressors? We're back for our last section of the last episode of season two. Oh, no. <laughs> um, we are going to talk about what helps and some of the tips that you've developed with the fact that the world's on fire and um, that you decided not to go to therapy. You've already mentioned a few things in passing in the first part. You mentioned a lot like uh, eating well and exercising, for example. Do you have anything more to say about this? Um, just, uh, routine in general with that mm -hmm. stuff, I think, and having, having regular rhythms in your life like that really helps with the mental health. And I do notice myself, you know, kind of low energy, tired, and just in overall bad moods when I haven't eaten right during the day. Um, I haven't exercised in, you know, a couple weeks and things like that. Um, it definitely, um, contributes and it's, I, I just feel so much better and happier and uh, like I'm better at work and better with customers and everything when I've eaten right, exercised, stayed active. Yeah. Really, really helps. It, what's fun with having a routine is that it makes us feel better while we're in the routine, but it also makes us appreciate the moments when we're not in the routine, like vacations or something special or a special weekend, like even more yes. because they're off the routine and they feel like very special. It has like this dual purposes of like keeping us fresh, but also like, oh, these moments are really exciting in my life. Yeah. And it just, um, it, it makes me feel like I have so much more time, even though I'm doing more routine things when it all kind of comes together, it, you almost have more free time because you're doing everything right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, anything else that has helped? I mean, the issue I sunk into with the, with the world being on fire was, <laughs> as it always is, <laughs> yeah. is uh, following those news bits too much, getting addicted to the U.S. politics, horrible situation in the U.S., and Twitter, and just seeing all these horrible things happening all the time, finding other things on the internet to look at that are not terrible. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's cute dogs for me most of the time. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, just uh, like, like we, we keep saying it, but that balance between burying your head in the sand and having awareness, but not having that awareness take over your entire life and everything that you do and everything that you think about at all times, you know, so, um, entertaining yourself, with whatever it is that you enjoy yeah. really is, is important to not just have that weight of the world on you as the only thing. So pay attention, but not too much attention that you end up hurting yourself. Yeah. It's what we were saying about your friends earlier that like just completely shutting it off is also not the most healthy. Yeah. Yeah. But also constantly living in that stage of like, It's chaos, it's the news, it's politics. Like, we don't have a lot of power individually on those things. We have more powers than voting once every four years, uh, hopefully. I like to think so. But also just constantly, like, looking at things that are happening across the world 
I can worry about the war between Russia and Ukraine, but I don't know how much power I have in that conflict. Yeah, I know. And what can you actually do? And when and when you see these things like send money to like I don't want to send money to a war effort, you know? Yeah. Again, it's all the world being for profit and and war being a profit and I we need to not do that. Yeah, it's tough, right? Because the human instinct is to want to find a solution and be active. Yeah. And sometimes we need to just learn like a way that like, okay, I want to be informed. Are there some things that I can do? And then there's also a lot of things that I cannot do, a lot of things that are out of my control. And then to sort of like have to learn to let go, which does not mean that letting go is like letting go of hope and being political and trying to make changes, but it's also not constantly like burning myself out with this. Exactly. And um, I try to be as supportive as I can with people who like, for instance, I have a couple gay Russian friends who said that they've gotten in Toronto who say they've gotten a ton of hatred here and stuff for, for being Russian where, and I said like, you know, we know and you know that you have nothing to do with what is going on yeah. in that part of the world right now. And that like, you know, there are innocent people in Russia too, who are oppressed by that government. So you can't hate a whole country for what it's corrupt leader is doing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I find that's definitely a, a, you know, a thing that's happening to some Russian people here is that like they're experiencing that kind of racism just because, uh, well, or I don't know if racism is the right word for it, but you know, just hatred in general for being from a country with a horrible leader that they have nothing to do with, you know? Yes. And in a way, this is something on which you have power, right? Being there for your friends and being an ally and sometimes just being there for them to vent or reminding them that they're loved. And like, sometimes if it comes to just like having to defend them, if this happens in front of you, yeah, and, and I absolutely would defend them. Like, I just, you know, told this person we support you. I didn't see what had happened to um, to this uh, friend. But, like, yeah, absolutely. If I saw, like, that kind of um, talk happening, I would have to step in and, and say something for sure. And the, the same thing was happening. You mentioned early COVID with anybody that looked remotely East Asian who yes. was, like, getting a lot of hatred. So that was something concretely we could do to support. Anti-Asian hate crime, yeah, yeah, definitely was happening. It's so crazy just how people can, like, generalize <laughs> like that when it's like, you know, that these people are not, like, part of that country or that government or any of it, you know. And I mean, same with, you know, people criticizing um, how, um, you know, the Israeli military is killing the Palestinians. And then people try to say, oh, well, you're anti-Semitic then. And it's like, no. No, we're not saying like we're not saying anything about Jewish people. We're talking about the Israeli military, which does not speak for all Jewish people in the world, you know. So Yeah. It's those weird shortcuts to explain simply, quote unquote simply, things that are really complicated. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like it kind of brings us back to like the balance between like resting. And escapism, I think that is also something that's super important. Yeah, yeah. My example of rest or favorite way of resting, I guess, is playing video games, obviously. No way. <laughs> <laughs> Smoking a bit of weed, a good game, um, or, or a good TV show. But yeah, I can definitely tell, you know, when I do that for two or three hours a day, that's normal. But, you know, when I have like 
a 10 hour, 12 hour day on a video game, like that almost becomes addiction um, in a way, you know, and, and, and a lot of these games now, there are tons of good quality stuff out there, but a lot of games with really addictive models as well that are like, come in daily to get your rewards and, they, you know, things like that. So I find uh, there can be bad things like those kind of practices, you know, that predatory kind of stuff exists in gaming, of course. <laughs> yeah. How do you, uh, how do you balance, because you were talking earlier about like doctors and capitalism and now you know video games are also very much capitalism yeah exactly yeah a huge i mean one of the most like booming industries now mm -hmm. yeah so i mean for me i see like i spend money on it because i see the value in the entertainment that i get out of it and the artistry also in it because it's not just um graphics and gameplay but like the story writing that goes into certain games too is just you know top-notch and intense and like the quality of like a tv show or a movie mm -hmm. kind of thing with the acting and stuff now and all the motion capture and things going on so i mean it's an industry that it, it's an entertainment industry that i yeah that i absolutely support but uh, yeah it's also had its fair share of problems that are now coming to light I think Blizzard Entertainment is one of the most well-known cases right now, but where, yeah, the stuff that's been happening to like women in the office and stuff, it's just disgusting. And um, so the game industry is sort of having its hashtag me too uh, right now as well. So. Yeah, that's interesting, right? We keep talking about balance. So balance between um, it's impossible not to engage with capitalism right now. Like mm -hmm. it's just the world we live in. So how do I engage with capitalism in a way that makes me happy? like you with video games, but how do I do this in a way that I also respect my values and that I'm going to try and engage with capitalism in like the best possible way? And for me, for instance, like I have not given money to Blizzard Entertainment in like whenever, the, I mean, they, they had problems even before all this came out and reasons I wouldn't want to give them money, but that was just, you know, was the tipping point for me. And, um, <laughs> that was, well, what, yeah, when the stuff about like women in the office and how they were being treated came out. Yeah. How do I engage with this? Try to be political, but also rest and also like respect my own values. Like it's, it's all like pretty tough. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you've talked about, you know, because I'm not in therapy, I talked to it with my friends and you have that online platform you have like on YouTube and on Twitch. So I'm assuming that this has helped you so much. Yeah, so much. Yeah. I mean, venting is, is, you know, the biggest therapy for me. I mean, Twitch has been therapy for me where, yeah, a lot of things we can just um, talk it out and, um, it lets me um, not just think my thoughts, but speak them out loud and sort of process it that way. And, you know, even better when there's some feedback, if there's people actually watching and there's a chat response, that's great. And we can bounce off each other. Um, but even if I'm just shouting into the void, just knowing that at some point, you know, on my YouTube, someone can hear that and listen to that helps me cope whether or not um, there's actually like a live audience at that point, just speaking. Cause I think my brain kind of, goes a million miles at once with different things. And when I can just kind of slow down and say it out loud and process it, 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 it does help. It does help for sure. Yeah. One thing that comes to my brain is uh, earlier in season two, I had a guest, uh, Misty Crawley, and she said, the problem with using my friends as therapists is that I never get now to spend quality time with my friends because I just yes. always use them for my feelings or for their feelings. So for her 
going to therapy was actually a good way to separate those two things, even though she was super grateful for her friends to have been, you know, around and helping. Oh, yeah. And I mean, um, a good friend who's run into this problem, and I ran into this problem in a relationship previously, but where on both sides, getting home from work, we immediately you get home and you're like, what a fucking horrible day it was at work today. Mm -hmm. And that's why you're coming home to your partner saying, and it's just, yeah, the fact that you're like venting, you know, right away to, you know, the person who's supposed to make you feel better. And um, then that stress sort of becomes their stress too, because they're having to hear about how horrible your day was, you know, so they, um, so you kind of take ownership of that. So it becomes, yeah, it becomes like a really stressful cycle when like, a friend or a roommate or a partner is in a shitty situation and every day just becomes that vent. It's, it's hard on you too. So I, I don't, I, I try not to vent too hard anymore mm-hmm. with people because I feel like I'm like pushing all of my problems, you know, onto them by uh, bitching about it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, understandably the thing that that does is that it eventually like it pushes people away. It does, yeah, yeah. Well, Brendan, that's all the time we had for today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I It was such a pleasure getting to know you better and having you on my show. Thank you. Thank you. So happy to be here. I love what you're doing. And um, <laughs> thank you for including me. <laughs> so people who want to spend more time with you or know you better, it's at the Black Eagle every Tuesday night. Uh, you can say hello. You can say that they discovered you through mental health much and uh, you'll get uh, nothing except gratitude. Uh, <laughs> we can play a game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, on Twitch and on YouTube at Gay Station B. Yeah. YouTube is my YouTube's just Gay Station, but Twitch okay. is Gay Station B. Yeah. Right. And on Instagram, it's just Gay Station. Uh, Instagram, Gay Station B. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'll put all of this yeah. <laughs> in the description. <laughs> Thank you so much. And uh, for everyone listening, you can uh, stay on because I will say goodbye to you for the end of season two. So everyone, this is the end of season two. I didn't want to make a full end of season episode, but I wanted to Take a few minutes to say thank you so much for encouraging me with this project. It's always nice when I have people that I know or strangers that contact me and say like, oh my God, this episode came out at the exact right time for me, exactly when I needed it. Or I've learned so much from this conversation with this and that person. It's really like why I do this show and and I'm having so much fun. So season two is over. I was aiming to do between 12 and 15 episodes and uh, I'm there. I'm going to need a little bit of a break because this is a lot of work and I think I deserve a break. And uh, if you love me, you should think I deserve a break as well. But don't worry. There is a lot more stuff coming. I have some special episodes that are coming and I have another mini series that's coming I'm going to do. I'm bringing Jordan back to talk to me about a whole other topic. And then I have another project for next winter before I start again with a regular season for season three. So I'm really not going that far, but I'm just taking a break from 
uh, regular season because they feel like a lot more work uh, when I have to publish an episode like every two weeks all the time with a different guest that just feels like a ton of work. I want to say thank you in season two to the 24 people who uh, left me a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you very much, everyone. Of course, thank you to all of my guests and all of my listeners. On this note, thank you, everyone, for season two. It's really great to have you as an audience, the people I know and the people that I don't know. And I will come back with more content very, very soon. And until then, enjoy the summer. Talk about mental health as much as you can and stay safe.